In today's episode, I'm embarking on a journey that might just change the way you think about a wine. I'm diving deep into a region known for its charm and vibrancy, and I am hoping to inspire you to rethink Beaujolais, a wine style that's often underestimated and overlooked. It's a bit like your most comfortable pair of shoes. You just know that they're always going to fit well and feel nice. And for Beaujolais, maybe we're just a little bit too comfortable with it. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing the basics of the Beaujolais region, its history, and what sets it apart on the world wine stage in regards to its terroir and how the wines are made. I'm also going to be shining a light on something that often remains in the shadows, and that's the 10 distinct Beaujolais crews. These crew wines are gems awaiting to be discovered. If you have not tried them, they are definitely going to unlock a whole treat of wines for you to try. They are exceptional value and pure deliciousness in the glass. So if you're ready, let's get started and dive right into today's episode as we begin to rethink Beaujolais. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Wine Shop Talk. I'm your host, Somalia Aaron Rosar, and I'm so happy that you're here with me today. If we haven't met before, it's lovely to have you here, and we have Welcome Back. Now, for those of you who are new, you should know that I've been a professional sommelier for 20 years now, and it's my passion and my privilege to make learning about wine not only fun and easy, but also practical for you, meaning I want to make sure that you leave every episode with some real-life tips that you're able to use to help you find wines that you are going to enjoy and love. I want you to think of me as your very own practical sommelier. Now, in this week's episode, I'm going to take you through what I consider to be one of the most undervalued wine styles, and this is Beaujolais. And most likely you haven't enjoyed a glass of Beaujolais at a cafe or a restaurant or hanging out at home on a Saturday. And it's easy drinking, lovely lighter style red, beautiful cherry color in the glass, lovely aromatics on the nose, and it's the perfect wine for Saturday afternoon sipping. It's both food and people friendly, and it's the perfect wine. If you're just having a mix mash of charcuterie or nibbles in the afternoon, it's that perfect afternoon cafe wine, in my opinion. But a lot of times, in my experience, this is a wine that people do just keep it to Saturday afternoon, a prisky glass before you get to the heavier wines or the real wines later on in the evening when you're having dinner. And I want to challenge that thinking today. And so in today's episode, I'm going to lead you just through an overview. Maybe it's been a while or you haven't actually known about the region of Beaujolais. And it is a beautiful area. So we're going to get our bearings of where it is. We have some unique ways that we make the wines Beaujolais. And then I am going to give you a quick overview of the 10 different crew wines and their unique flavor profiles that you could expect in glass. So the next time that you go shopping, you're going to be able to look at those names on the label when you see the crew Beaujolais wines, and you're going to have a better idea of how they are going to differ and hopefully will make it easier for you to use them and pair them up with delicious foods for your friends and family. So the first thing is, where is Beaujolais? Beaujolais is the most southern area of the area. Beaujolais is the most southern area of the region that we refer to as Burgundy. So You have heard about the Pinot Noirs and the Chardonnays of Burgundy, and Beaujolais is located in the most southern part. One of the big differences for the terroir in regards to Beaujolais is that the soil type changes. Beaujolais is renowned for its granite soils, particularly in the northern part of the region. These are pink, sandy, and decomposed granite soils, and they impart a distinct mineral quality into the wine, 
adding to their complexity and their flavor. So this is the special terroir that's going to come through in the glass of these beautiful wines from Beaujolais. We have rolling hills. Well, some people may refer to them as mountains. For myself here out in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, where we have the Rocky Mountains, these are going to be large rolling hills in some of this area. I appreciate everything is relative. They're beautiful rolling hills and they create different microclimates. Every time we have a hill and vineyard on a hill, the slope, the aspect, how the drainage works, how the sun exposure, it is going to create unique differences. And these 10 crews that we're going to be talking about are all on different hillsides. And each hillside is going to give a different, unique experience coming through in the glass. The climate in Beaujolais is what we refer to as semi-continental. It influences both a Mediterranean, but continental, you'll have four seasons, but definitely a warmer winter. And this makes it an ideal growing environment for the grape Gamay. Gamay is the grape of Beaujolais. Now Gamay thrives on granite soils, and so this area is perfect for it. It produces bright fruit flavors, low tannins, and high acidity. And the wines from the area are known for their freshness, aromatics, and approachability. Like I said before, these are food and people-friendly wines. Now, in regards to the history of Beaujolais, wine production can be traced back to the Roman period. So as early as the first century AD, the Romans recognized the region's potential for viniculture and began planting vineyards. In the Middle Ages, Beaujolais continued to grow, and the Benedictine and Caesarian monks played a significant role in developing vineyards and improving the winemaking techniques. During the Renaissance, it, Beaujolais gained popularity in the French court, and it said that King Louis XVI was particularly fond of the wines, which contributed to their reputation and the demand for other people wanting to be like the king, of course. And during the 19th century and the Phylloxera crisis, where we had the louse in the ground that destroyed vineyards throughout Europe. Once that was resolved on the end of it, the Gamay grape was found to be a grape that thrived in the area. So the region was replanted holistically with Gamay. And so the Gamay grape became the grape of Beaujolais at that time. Now, in the 20th century, Beaujolais became world famous for Beaujolais Nouveau. Now, I don't think Beaujolais parties are as big as they were, let's say, even a decade ago. But many people still get together. It is tradition to get together with family and friends, get the first wine of the harvest, and enjoy a Beaujolais Nouveau party. So if you are looking to enjoy Beaujolais Nouveau this year, you will be in good company because many people around the world will be toasting to the first wine of the vintage. And the last thing to share with you in regards to its history is that in 1936, the region was classified into various crews and appellations that we know of today. Now, let's talk more about what you can experience in the glass of Beaujolais generally. If you've had a glass, like I said, you know how approachable they are and how beautifully aromatic. Common descriptors you'll hear people use will be bright cherry, raspberry, sometimes hints of banana, pink bubble gum or double bubble. And this is a good thing. And I'm going to explain why that may come about in the wine. It's a wine making technique that that builds those flavors in the wine. You'll have floral, some mineral notes. And as we get into the cruise, we're going to have deeper, more robust flavors. But again, I'm going to talk about the cruise separately. Now for quality and aging, generally the rule of thumb is most Beaujolais are designed for early consumption. Beaujolais Nouveau is celebrated around the world, comes out in November, and it is the first wine of this year's harvest. And 
it's a big auction of who's going to get that first case of wine landed and be able to sold. Different countries fight about it. But Beaujolais Nouveau is the lightest of all of it. It is the first vintage of this year. But generally, Beaujolais is not a wine that we age for long periods of time. We want them to be young and fresh. And you're looking to drink the bottle of Beaujolais within one to five years is what we'll generally recommend. Now, when we get into the crew wines, some of those crews we will recommend some longer aging up to 10, 12, potentially 15 years, depending on the vintage. The crew wines will give us some opportunity to age the wines to develop where General Beaujolais or Beaujolais Village are definitely wines we want to consume young and fresh. Let's move on to how is Beaujolais made. And I'm going to talk first about General Beaujolais. So when you're shopping and you're in the wine store, you see Beaujolais or Beaujolais Village on the label. This is going to mean that the grapes have been picked from a larger space within the region. The first thing to know is that Beaujolais is made from Gamay. It is a 100% Gamay grape. It is the grape of Beaujolais. In some cases, we're going to be hand harvesting to ensure the best quality. And hand harvesting is most often used for the crews. So we can harvest both with machine and by hands. And the unique winemaking technique that we use predominantly in the area of Beaujolais is called carbonic maceration. Now, this sounds super scientific, and let's face it, the wine geek in me loves this stuff, but the TV version of what carbonic maceration is, it is a unique winemaking technique in that the grapes are brought back to the winery, and where in many occurrences of winemaking, we take the grapes back and we press them, we squish all the juice out. In carbonic maceration, we don't squish the grapes. We actually are going to put the grapes in whole bunches in a vat, and then we're going to seal it up. So it's actually going to be an intercellular fermentation, meaning that as we threw all those grapes into that vat and we closed the lid, some juice obviously got squished out, which means the natural occurrence of yeast-eating sugar is going to happen. One of the byproducts of yeast-eating sugar is carbon dioxide, and that carbon dioxide is going to fill the tank And it's actually going to push through the skins of the grapes and start to ferment the grapes inside their skins. This is why we have very low tannin wines with Beaujolais, very fresh fruity, because the juice is fermenting inside the grape itself. It's not done with skin contact. Now, finally, the grapes will burst and that juice does come out and the vat is opened and the juice is taken off. But the whole cluster grains are fermented in an oxygen-free environment. And the result is, is that the grapes ferment inside their own skin. And this preserves that fresh and fruity characteristics of the Gamay grape. So every time you take a sip of it, you're going to get this beautiful, fresh flavor. This is where you may get some of those banana flavors. And some people will pick up like a double bubble bubble gum. It's almost like a candied fruit flavor. It's really a fun flavor. So that's where it's coming from. Now, carbonic maceration, we do use in small parts in other areas of the world, but Beaujolais is really where it is key. It is a very short fermentation. It happens in a few days to a couple of weeks. It does not need the length of time that more traditional wine fermentation will take. And then after the fermentation has happened, the juice is separated from the grape solids, and then the Beaujolais wines are then aged for a short period so they can settle in a stainless steel tank or old barrels so there's no bulk flavoring 
the oak would overpower it, and then they're bottled and sent out to the world to find a good home. Now that is Beaujolais or Beaujolais Village. Now we want to talk about the crew wines. The crew wines are generally not going to be using carbonic maceration, but more traditional style winemaking, making them more intense and more traditionally a red wine, I say in air quotes, with the texture that you're used to, deeper in color, more tannin, more texture and layers to the fruit flavors in those wines. So there's a difference of winemaking within the Beaujolais area, depending if they are making wines through the carbonic maceration style for traditional Beaujolais or the crew wines that are going to be using the press method to get the juice pressed from the skins into a fermentation where the skins and juice are fermented together. So we have two different styles of winemaking happening within this region. And now I'm going to break down for you the 10 crews. You have probably seen these on the shelf and just weren't sure about them. They will be slightly more expensive than regular Beaujolais, which for people who don't understand the difference of value, it's going to be one of those questions of why would I pay more when I already know I like this style of wine. So after today's episode, you're going to have a much better idea of what you can expect in each one of these crews. So let's break them down. They're in no specific order. When you're looking at Beaujolais crews, you're going to see the name of the crew on the label. I'm going to be starting with Morgan. So here you would see Morgan written in larger letters on the label. Then you'll know that it's the Beaujolais crew. So Morgan is known as the king of Beaujolais. And the wines of Morgan produce rich and robust wines with deep fruit flavors, often displaying notes of cherry, plum, and earthiness. So if you are looking for a fuller, more serious style of Beaujolais, for example, Morgan is a really good choice. Some people will describe it as a lighter Merlot, for example. The color of these are also going to be more intense than your traditional, let's call it, Café Beaujolais. The next one is Fleury. Fleury is known as Fragrant Fleury, or some people will say Feminine Fleury, and it's celebrated for its elegance and floral aromas. It's often described as having a more delicate structure and a focus on red fruit character. So here you have red cherries raspberries. Some people put a little red currant, but very, very soft, feminine, pretty. Um, it's a really, really nice wine to me. Fleury is a wonderful style. Beaujolais, for example, if you're doing a baked brie with a raspberry compote or some jams or something like that on the side, it's delicious. The Moulin en Vent, you've probably seen this one. It's the windmill. So it is a windmill here. And these are the considered to be the most age-worthy of the Beaujolais crew. It features strong botanic structures, complex flavors of dark fruit, and a robust, full-bodied profile. So when you see Moulin Vent, consider it to be the most serious, the biggest brother, if you will, of the Beaujolais crews. Next, we move on to Cherube. Wines are light, fragrant, graceful, offering bright red fruit flavors and a silky texture making them highly approachable. This is really similar to Fleury, so if you can't find Fleury, Shrub is going to be a really nice option for you. Next, we move on to Regne with a reputation for balance and harmony. The Regne wines showcase a mix of red and black fruit flavors, often with floral and mineral nuances. Then we'll move on to Rui, the largest of the crews, and it is known for its versatility, producing wines with a pleasant fruit-forward character and a touch of minerality. Then we have its 
Côte de Brouilly, which is a smaller area actually nestled within the hill that is Brouilly, and its wines stand out for their added depth, offering nice, richer expression of the Gamay grape with pronounced minerality. Then we have Julianas, named after Julius Caesar, and these wines are characterized by their bold structure, often displaying, again, those dark fruit, hints of spice and earthiness. Some people will say Christmas cake will come here, so we might get some blueberries, some dates, raspberries, blackberries, currants. Again, more of that serious notes come through. Then one you may have seen before, St. Amour. This wine usually shows up on sale around Valentine's Day, and they are celebrated for their romantic charm, offering vibrant red fruit flavors, a touch of spice, smooth, elegant finish, goes with really easy fare, a beautiful, fragrant, lovely, easy wine, and people love the label, of course, around Valentine's Day. And then we have Chenesse. These are wines that are more robust, slightly rustic character, dark fruit, earth notes, notable mineral edge reflecting the unique terroir. You make it some wet leaves, dark earth. Some people will say more almost like a Pinot Noir. So give me can through some Pinot Noir nuances as well. And Moulin Avant, Chenet, for example, Brûlée, some of the Beaujolais crews that throw more of the dark fruit flavors can often be mistaken for Pinot Noir wine. So if you are a Pinot Noir fan, then the Beaujolais crews are gently wines that you're going to want to explore. And this is great fall homework, in my opinion, to work your way through a bit of a checkerboard of which Beaujolais crews have you tried. Now, in regards to food pairings, Beaujolais, in my opinion, is a perfect Saturday afternoon snacking wine. So you have some charcuterie or some leftovers. You have some chicken, some cold roast, cold ham, just a mix of different flavors. It is perfect and easy sipping. Definitely, it's a wonderful wine to do with a roast chicken because of the low tannins. It's going to be beautiful with, with roast chicken, some salmon, especially if you're going to do anything with a bit of a berry compote. You can pull the earthiness out and do some mushroom dishes here, whether it is just a beautiful chicken with a mushroom sauce, for example, or nice steaks. Burgers are delicious. You could definitely do a ratatouille. It does have a higher acid. So you could pull in some tomato-based dishes, quiche lorraine, of course, creamy-based cheeses. So you definitely can pull in like that baked free with the compotes or the berry flavors on top of it. It works well and it's delicious. And fruit tarts, if you're looking for something as a dessert style, definitely pull those berry flavors out and enjoy Beaujolais with some beautiful fresh fruit tarts. And it's amazing. The versatility of this wine is underrated and I think so often we walk by it because we forget how personable the wines of Beaujolais truly are. If you're just looking for let's call it the cheap and cheerful, Beaujolais has those wines. But if you are looking for a more intense layered wine experience then the crews are going to offer that to you. If you're looking to age some wines, if you're looking to age a wine five to ten years and see the development of the Gamay grape, then you have that opportunity with the crew wines as well. It's really an area, I think, that is so overlooked because we're all looking north, if you will. We're looking to those big, iconic Pinot Noir wine from the Burgundy area that we forget sometimes that Beaujolais is magical on its own. And so I hope that in today's episode, I have inspired you 
to rethink Beaujolais and consider what's waiting for you in the wine store and the different flavors and experiences waiting for you in the glass just from this one area. So I hope that you will take up the challenge, if you will, of trying the different wines of Beaujolais. Look for those crew wines and compare them. Do a side-by-side tasting of your favorite everyday Beaujolais, if you will, and one or two of the crews. I think you're going to be really surprised and impressed of the flavors that are coming through in the glass with those crew wines. Now, in the show notes below, I'm going to list all of the 10 crew wines so you can use that as a checklist. I'm also going to put a link below to some Halloween episodes that I've done before because Halloween is quickly approaching. And if you are looking for some tips or hints on pairing up some incredible Halloween candy, then there are some links below, as well as if you're looking for some information on some haunted wineries, I have an episode on that as well. And you'll find that in the show notes. So after this episode, if you want to keep listening, there are some Halloween themed episodes that you can catch up on. The other link below that you're going to find is I have a few different free guides. And if you haven't had a chance to download the October Food and Wine Pairing Guide, it's filled with five fantastic recipes with wine pairings. And I do these every month. So if you are enjoying them, every month one will be coming out. I'm having lots of fun doing them. I've also put together a special Halloween cocktail guide. So if you are interested in some spooky libations, if you will, then there is the link below as well to the Halloween cocktails and cauldrons, I call it. So be sure to check those out. On that note, I want to thank you for hanging out with me today. I hope that I've inspired you to take a walk down and spend a whole bit of time looking at the Beaujolais section in your favorite wine store. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I want to wish you a wonderful week. Cheers to you. Bye now.